Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. Our mission is to connect the past and the present NICU mom by bringing them out of isolation and into a sisterhood of women who can stand alongside each other as we heal and grow both in and out of the NICU. Our hope is that through interviews with trauma-informed medical and maternal mental health experts and vulnerable stories from NICU mamas themselves, that you would feel connected to the Dear NICU Mama Sisterhood around the world. So, whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago, or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. Hi, mamas. Welcome back to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. It's your host, Martha and Ashley. Ashley, the sun is shining on me. I look like a Victorian ghost, and the shadows are on you because you're in a closet. How many flannels do we see in the background? There's one here. Yes. White oh. wide brim hats and flannel shackets, as they're called. Um, barrel curls. Lots of sweaters. Yes. 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 Uh, how are you doing today? You know what? We're doing okay. It is so cold again. It's unbelievable. But that that's why we have really good coffee shops here. There's nothing else for us to do except get good coffee drinks. So. Yes, yeah. We've <laughs> talked about this cool thing, the A Thousand Hours Outside initiative thing. Yeah. And we're like, how do you do that when six months of the year, there's other plans. But, you know, someday it'll be sunny and, and bright and good again. Um, it will. So, you know, we have the the pleasure of sometimes interviewing mamas who've been in the NICU, hearing about their journeys and their stories. And other times we have the unique opportunity to interview experts in the field of maternal mental health and obstetrics, all sorts of good stuff. And today we wanted to talk about mental health, pandemic fatigue, uh, you know, seasonal affective disorder, all of those good things that we're all dealing with right now. And literally who better to talk to than our favorite maternal mental health specialist, Natalie Ryder. Thank you. You guys are very sweet. Thank you. Uh, We're so happy to have Natalie on again. Make sure if you've not heard any of Natalie's previous episodes to go back and, and listen to the, some of them, they are our most listened to episodes, our most referred episodes um, that are really help you kind of start the conversation of your own mental health and um, coming out of trauma from the NICU. So we are so appreciative that you're back here today. Well, I'm excited to be back. (laughs) So here we are um, about a couple weeks away from entering into the third year of the pandemic. And isn't that great? Isn't that fun to say? (laughs) Um, I'm wondering, you know, we when it, the pandemic first hit, we've done we did a couple episodes about what this meant, the hypervigilance, the mirroring of the experience of being in the NICU. And then a year goes by and we talk about, oh, pandemic brain and, you know, how this is affecting us and our as a parents long term. And now, you know, we're coming into a year three and it may be a while before we get back to normal. So we're all experiencing this level of fatigue. I'm wondering what you as a professional are seeing or hearing about as trends right now when we when we hear these words pandemic fatigue or fam- pandemic brain yeah so you know i think when we first you know thought the pandemic was going to be over in like 3 months or something lol yeah lol ridiculous like that um you know a lot of there's a lot of focus on like mental health and all of these different coping skills and how to manage quarantine and social isolation. Um, 
you know, there was a lot of discussion about rises in things like suicide and domestic violence, um, substance use. Mm -hmm. And so the thing is, is that um, those things haven't changed. It's just we've stopped talking about them Mm -hmm. as much. Um, We've seen like reported rates of depression and anxiety in adults go up like from like usually it's like a one in ten or a um you know to like a one in four or mm-hmm. a four in ten sorry a one in ten to like a four in ten adult are reporting some symptoms maybe not clinical level symptoms of anxiety and depression but some symptoms of anxiety and depression um and that's not even talking about you know our our adolescents um mm-hmm. and our and our kiddos who are also reporting, you know, higher levels of depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, um, and things kind of like that. Mm -hmm. And so it's not, I don't think it's necessarily that we've shifted out of like this pandemic brain or that all of a sudden we have like this, like we got over this and then we're seeing a slump as we just stopped talking about it as much. Like we're just not, the, the desire to direct our attention to it has just waned. Right. Yeah. And I wonder too, do you feel like with the pandemic, you know, and especially the past couple of years, there's been so many other large issues that have needed to also take up brain space regarding social justice, the economy, the politics, the election, everything. So there's also like an element of compassion fatigue. I think for many of us, it's almost hard to engage because we're engaging with so many other things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, uh, there was a great article in Forbes um, that came out kind of towards the end of December, um, written by um, Dr. Pearl. And he just talks about like, um, you know, that a lot of people are experiencing kind of like this almost malaise, Mm -hmm. like this languishing that we're just kind of treading water but we don't really necessarily have any sort of shore in sight Mm -hmm. and so things kind of feel just very blah yeah yeah and you know I think one of the things that they are starting to talk about more in the mainstream media or at least in you know the scientific community and it was a conversation from the beginning was you know is this a pandemic or is this endemic Mm-hmm. You know, is this something that is going to end or is this just something that we are going to get a better control over, like seasonal flu or or mm-hmm. RSV or something kind of like that? Yeah. And I'm hearing, um, you know, more and more news stories about the shift to it being more endemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just want to put out there also that I'm not like an infectious disease person. (laughs) I am not a a public health official (laughs) or anything like that. But I think, you know, when we talk about mental health, you know, looking at it a little bit from a perspective of and like an endemic point of view, because what it means is that we are talking about, you know, what does normal look like now? Yeah. Instead of like waiting for things to return to like this pre-pandemic lifestyle yeah you know we don't know if that's ever going to happen we don't know when it's going to happen if it's going to happen Mm -hmm. but we can manage okay this is the expectation now you know this is what life is probably going to be like you know at least for the foreseeable I don't know 
week or two I think we can like narrow our time span yeah, even of what yeah. we're talking about planning for right. mm-hmm. um and then kind of basing it on that yeah. you know there's always it sounds like you know there's going to be some sort of variant that's going to continue to come to come up what that variant how that impacts people or like you know transmissibility versus you know lethality severity of symptoms again i'm not a doctor um but we just know that it's not a predictable thing right. and part of the weird thing is that the pandemic has stripped away just the illusion that we had control over what was going to happen in the future right yeah. we've never had that control yeah now that illusion is just like we've all seen behind the curtain mm-hmm but our brains do that as a way to protect ourselves. And so that's really tough. Yeah. We talk a lot too about how it's cyclical or it feels cyclical. The, mm-hmm. uh, there's ups and downs with it. So maybe there's a stretch um, of a few weeks where it feels very um, desperate and heightened. And then you kind of come crashing down and you're just kind of trudging through the days. And then it gets heightened again. And then it gets back down, you know. It's so that part of it is is exhausting. I mean, specifically for um, you know, especially if you're like involved on social media or watching the news at all, you talk about how like our attention spans are really short, right? Like our attention span for how long we were talking about taking care of yourself and baking sourdough bread and stuff that's yep. kind of gone out the window. So um, I just feel like uh, we have it's hard to figure out how to regulate your your own body, right? Like yeah. our nervous systems are all over the place. Our minds and body are all over the place. Um, what are some ways that we can, in short-term spans, right, because that's all we can think about, help ourselves regulate? You know, um, one of the best practices, there's just so much great research out there, um, but is really a mindfulness practice, you know, where we – take this stance of observing the things around us so that we can kind of decide and understand the action that we want to take based on how we're reacting. You know, emotions, a really great example is just like emotions, you know, they are involuntary. You know, I can't necessarily control what makes me mad. I can't necessarily control what makes me sad. What I can control is how I choose to react to the emotion. And by, you know, having like a a daily mindfulness, like meditation practice, um, a mindful eating practice, um, a mindful bathing practice that focuses on experiencing something without judgment um, helps us to manage those, those waves. There will always be waves. There are always waves in the ocean. Some are just bigger than others. And so you know, mindfulness is a really great surfboard to be like, okay, how am I going to ride this wave? Um, I, I know these are time stamped, but so this, if you're listening to this in two years, this is not going to, this reference isn't going to make a whole lot of sense. But <laughs> um, so I had tickets to Adele and it was the thing I was going to hang my hat on. Like I was going to start 2022 off with a bang and 2021 sucked. And I was just like, it's okay. 2022 is going to be my year. Um, and then last night, you know, I got the, this mm. message that Adele has indefinitely postponed mm. all of her shows. And, you know, we have Wait, hasn't tickets. that happened to you before, too? 
Uh, no, you... the last show I went to, I tore Lizzo. my ACL. That's oh, right. no. That's right. That's right. <laughs> For Natalie. I don't vacation well. Don't ever go on vacation with me. Because oh, no. Lizzo was a recovery vacation because the vacation I went on before that, I was on a cruise ship in a hurricane. Oh, my oh, God. No. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I was going to go to Adele. Yeah. Oh. It was great. And then I get this message and I'm just like, F. Yeah. Like, okay. And so my husband comes in and he's like, we can do this. We can do that. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, mm. I really appreciate that. But right now I just want to pout. <laughs> I want to like be, you know, 13 years old and I want to throw my middle fingers up to the world and I want to sulk and pout and eat some chocolate almonds <laughs> and I'll put on, you know, my mindfulness adult pants tomorrow morning. But for the next eight hours, I just, I'm going to go to bed and needle felt and just <laughs> and I was able because of a mindfulness practice like identify like hey I'm having these really strong emotions of like really disappointment and frustration and just kind of some hopelessness and I know that something that's going to soothe it is for me to just experience and feel it for a little bit mm-hmm. um, I'm not going to sit in it too long um you know, because then I don't want to go too far down. And I know that I might ask my partner to check in on me tomorrow morning. Um, and But I'm not going to take any action on like trying to figure out a solution to this problem immediately. I'm just going to feel the emotion for a little bit. And then I'll wake up and, you know, put out my Facebook post. Of like, what are your favorite Facebook or Las Vegas things? <laughs> um but for right now, I'm just going to be a salty bitch and watch my trash TV and eat my almonds and just be like, you know what? Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. I love this. Yes. Yeah. I think that makes so much sense, too, because uh, there's so much. Um, I feel like it's less so because of the pandemic. But, you know, there's that focus on, like, gratefulness, uh, you know, gets rid of these negative emotions. You just focus on the good, right? And. I think there's some room for that, obviously, but if you rush it too quickly, it's like, but wait, it does suck. Like, I want to yeah. acknowledge that it sucks, right? Yeah. Well, and I think, like, you know, like, again, with, like, NICU experience, like, it's, it is such a, you know, I think a fear of things feel really out of control and yeah. not wanting to, or not knowing when to experience some of the hard emotions and also some mm-hmm. of the fear that the the hard emotions are going to just going to sink you in the ship. Right. Like if yeah. I let any sort of water into this boat, it's done. The ship is down. And so sometimes like with the pandemic and I think what we're also experiencing now is like the first year, I think a lot of us were just very numb. Yeah. Just very, yeah. you know, kind of like I don't know what's happening. I feel very almost dissociated. I just feel like yeah. I don't know what's going on. Everything is different. Everything is changing every five minutes. And so now as we head into year three, we finally are in the space where we have to be like, okay, now I have to deal with some of the emotions that come along with this. Yeah. And so recognizing that just because we don't feel every emotion immediately doesn't mean that there's something wrong. Like our body does that, our minds do that to protect us. And so sometimes we even have to ride that out before we get into a safe enough place to, to process and deal with the emotion. Right. 
And I wonder for NICU moms that have babies in the NICU now or their babies were born during the pandemic, if, you know, because typically, you know, prior to the pandemic, you would go through the NICU, your body would kind of be numb in a way of protecting yourself. And then when you got home, you felt safe enough to begin to process. But for NICU families in the pandemic, I wonder if that element of safety hasn't really come yet you know, in some ways. And so I'm sure there's a lot more bottled up because there just hasn't been room to feel safe to explore those thoughts. Well, I think, again, you know, like you guys have talked about before, like this pandemic is really just a very much a mirroring of the NICU experience. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the future looks like. I don't know if there's long-term developmental, you know, impacts. I don't know if, um, you know, what's going to happen in the next hour versus the next year. Yeah. You know, and even when, you know, your child makes it out of the NICU, like what does, you know, their checkups look like when are we ever going to graduate to a different, you know, growth scale or developmental scale and all of these sorts of different things. And so it definitely is, is a mirroring. And so I think, you know, finding a place that feels safe, you know, even if it is not your home, maybe your home is too triggering or maybe it's a room in your home or a space in your home or a friend's house or, you know, um, a family member's or a hotel room that you go to once a month if that yeah. feels safe and like you're able to kind of check out like maybe it's Las Vegas. Who knows? <laughs> you know, like right. just finding a place that does feel safe that you can access. Right. And when you talk about mindfulness, I immediately envision like the 20 year old single girls on TikTok that are like in their fancy yoga gear, like sitting in their like perfect aesthetic house. Yes. <laughs> so, with their with, singing bowls, what yeah. I think it's called. You know, yes, the, singing bowls. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, that's so sweet. And I'm so glad you're setting those boundaries when you're young. But yes, what does practical mindfulness look like for an adult who has kids, who has a lot of responsibilities? I mean, what is a basic form of mindfulness that can be achievable right now? So, you know, I think there are some really great like intro to meditation programs or intro to mindfulness programs on popular apps like Calm or Headspace Mm -hmm. or... um, YouTube has some as well. And usually the practices last no more than 15 minutes. And it might mm-hmm. be like a brief introduction to something. And then, you know, you practice it. And um, there is an, I personally use Calm. Um, I really enjoy it. Um, there's another app called, as I'm looking it up, Stop, Breathe, Think. And it has some really great intro exercises. And one of the things I love about Stop, Breathe, Think is that their intro exercises, like the longest time, especially like um, like the deep breathing or the progressive muscle relaxation um, that you go with in silence is like 30 seconds before they check in. And they're just like, hey, if your mind is wandering, it's okay. Let it kind of bring it back here to center or, you know, notice the way that this tension feels. And it's a lot more guided. And so you know, finding a guided meditation, a guided mindfulness when you first start out is really helpful. Mm. And I was listening to um, an armchair expert with Bill Gates. And what I took, one of the big points I took away from that is like, here's a guy who 
he says he's been meditating for many years and like the longest period of science silence that he can like manage is a couple minutes hmm. and you know like when we think about like buddhist monks particularly when it comes to like meditation and then, like the silence piece you know these are people who've been practicing it for years your goal is 10 seconds and it's not even that you're not going to have thoughts it's just that we just don't try to like crawl into the bushes and get tangled up with them mm-hmm. you know we're just like oh look and sometimes labeling it can be helpful that's a thought about parenting oh look that's a thought about traveling oh look that's a thought about the pandemic mm-hmm. oh look you know like where we just note mm-hmm. that's what this is and we're just not having any sort of reaction to it we're just noting like oh that's parenting and that feels tight in my shoulder and it makes me feel kind of angry sometimes or it makes me feel kind of excited or that's my partner that makes me I know that it gets you know when I see my partner I my stomach kind of tightens a little bit and my heart races mm-hmm. you know it's not necessarily ascribing meaning to things sure yeah but it allows like that psychological flexibility so that when we get confronted with oh look it's yeah. omicron mm. Now half the school has been, you know, sent home. Oh, look, we are reducing quarantining from 10 to 5 days. Oh, look, X, Y, or Z. And then I'm like, I'm noting some anger or irritation or happiness or joy. And then I can decide what I want to do with it. Like, I feel angry. I'm going to go punch a wall. No, don't go punch a wall. <laughs> But, you know, like, people are like, I don't I don't have any control over my emotions. It's like, you're right. You don't have control over your emotional re- emotions, but you have control over the reaction to them. Mm-hmm. Lots of people get angry. N- not everybody punches a wall. Mm-hmm. But right. we, get, we have to train ourselves to, you know, have some mastery over the emotional reaction piece. Mindfulness. Yay. Yes. <laughs> so... I think, I mean, thank you so much for sharing that. I think those are great starting places because, you know, it feels really daunting. And like Ashley says, um, you know, the influencer Skylar Ann or whatever, that's a made up name in Colorado in her ski lodge can, seems like she's boundless time to do it. But it, so it really helps to think about it as like that really tiny digestible thing. Like everybody has 30 seconds, right? Mm-hmm. Even if you have to lock yourself in your bathroom to hide from your children, you could do it, um, which I've done. So if haven't we all? <laughs> haven't we all? I don't know who mommy is. This mommy you speak of. Um, we see so many moms of kids who are immunocompromised or medically complex during this time that are struggling significantly. It's the you know the majority of NICU parents walk away with either um, some concerns about an ongoing medical complexity issue or higher risks of um, just getting certain illnesses or respiratory viruses. Um, And so now we're in this pandemic where there is a certain level of legitimacy to our concerns, which before, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe our our um, bodies were overcompensating with this hypervigilance to make sure I'm going to wash my hands three times and change my clothes before I touch the baby. Right. Um, Now all of a sudden we're doing those things and they don't seem it it maybe doesn't seem as far fetched that we want to do it. I mean, there's this highly contagious thing going around. So how do we strike the balance between protecting our kids 
and protecting our mental health so we're we're knowing where the boundaries are of hypervigilance becoming an interference in our lives well you know i think a really helpful thing is is having a bit of a plan you know and so talking to your children's medical providers and being like you know um what are the steps that you identify as necessary for our family to take in order to you know um, keep ourselves safe you know if we go on a vacation you know what are some signs that maybe we need to you know um, use an inhaler or use you know a neb or um, something like that like what are some things that we can have in, on hand in case we are starting to see symptoms so we can catch things early um, you know and what are those early kind of signs or symptoms and then you know also maybe having other people be aware of the plan as well. And so, you know, like when it comes to um, like, I can't think of the word or the process, but I know you guys know it, like contingency plans. Usually it's not just one person that the whole contingency, usually you, you call like, or you check it with like two or three people so that you make sure that everybody is doing it and nobody, not one person is overreacting. You know, it's like, okay, so I'm going to put, I'm going to type in the nuclear code. I'm going to type in the nuclear code. Here we go. We're doing this. You're doing that, you know? (laughs) So having other people kind of on your, your health plan so that if like you're seeing a sniffle and you're like, okay, sniffles, let's go. Neb, let's go. Inhaler. You know, you can turn to whoever else is part of your plan and be like, and that person can be like, you know what? It was one cough one time or one sniffle one time. You know, we just were in a dust cave. My guess is that they're going to be sneezing all day. Yeah. Or, you know, um, we did introduce a new environmental, potential environmental allergen. We were expecting this response. And so that you have somebody to kind of balance it out with. And so also that you can feel confident that you're making this, this decision as a team or, you know, with some outside perspective that's not just an internal one if that makes sense. That can be helpful for Mm -hmm. some people. We've done an episode with you before about like NICU postpartum period. And we talked a little bit about baby blues, Mm -hmm. but now it feels like because of the pandemic and just seasonal too, if you live where we live, oftentimes it's really dark really early. So we struggle to even get the vitamin D. So things like depression heightened typically, Um, following a new year, there can be a lot of pressure to change everything about your life and a lot of grief that it just doesn't automatically change the way that you want. And so, you know, how do you begin to distinguish between, okay, this is, you know, seasonal or maybe temporary depression or, wow, I really need to get help for this. Um, You know, how do you define that line? So here's something interesting, you know, seasonal affective disorders in the DSM. And so, you know, even if your depression only happens in the winter, um, you know, it doesn't mean that it's not something that shouldn't be treated. Yes. And, um, you know, checking with your doctors wherever you live, you know, what are my vitamin D levels? What are my vitamin C, my vitamin B, you know, my, how is my thyroid functioning? How is my iron? Just basically making sure that you're getting your, your physicals. Mm-hmm on a regular basis. And that if you are noticing some shifts or some change, you can go to your doctor and be like, this is kind of what I'm noticing. 
and they can have a baseline to start from. Mm. You know, women in particular, you know, tend to delay their own, you know, maintenance medical care Mm. in order by focusing on everybody else's. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's years between physicals or years between annual checkups and that sort of things have a higher chance of creeping in on us. Mm. And so, you know, if, if you don't have time to take care of, you know, your body, you don't have time to take care of other people. You know, your body, your vessel you, carries you. Mm. And so if you're going to rely on your body to take care of other people, you need to take care of it. You know, it's the whole car and the oil change thing. Like you run a car without an oil change, eventually it will break down. But, you know, the better that you take care of your car, the better it serves everybody around it, the better gas mileage, the further you can travel, the longer you have it. And so making sure that you are attending to just even like basic medical care is important. You know, I think I've said this before in a couple of, in a past episode, but like, you know, like showers are not um, luxuries, you know, showers are basic hygiene and necessity. And if we're not able, you know, we need to make sure that we're doing these things. And when we talk about endemics, when we talk about balancing our own mental health, when we talk about how do I kind of manage all these things, I think a lot of it begins with prioritizing yourself and, and, and knowing that it's not a selfish thing to ask for 20 minutes a day to do a 10 minute meditation, um, to, you know, talk and chat with a friend for 10 minutes, to um, do something creative, to um, do something physically active, to move our body. These are not ridiculous expectations. Mm. And if it doesn't happen every day, does it happen every other day? How long are we going in between these periods of time Mm. that, you know, we're saying that this is an okay amount of, this is an okay thing to do. Because if you're telling me that you have to wait six months, you know, to prioritize spending 10 minutes to do like a yoga routine or go for a walk. Okay, then let's really take a look about what's going on. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're like, I need to go three times a week is kind of like the limit that I'm able to do right now. Okay, that sounds like a really doable or once a week. You know, and we want to start small. We want to start with things like 10 minutes once a week. We want to build up because, you know, like you said, you know, new year does not magically mean a new you. Like that's not a thing. Yeah. It's the same you just that has been there this entire time there. The clock just changed. Mm -hmm. A number just changed. That is all that happened. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it really is about focusing instead on, you know, what is the priority? What is the value that I maybe am trying to focus on? And how do I align with that? You know, I think the idea of like choosing a word of the year has been like a bigger shift. And I love choosing a word of the year. And um, in the latter half of like 2021, what I started to do was I would write down my, my word of the year on my whiteboard And then I would ask myself, how am I, what am I doing for my body in terms of this or my physical health in terms of this word? What am I doing for my social health in terms of this word? What am I doing for my family connections in terms of this word? And then what am I doing for like my business? So those are the, my top four values, Mm -hmm. my top four priorities. And every month I would be like, how well, how am I supporting the top things that are most important in my life? 
um, you know, my family, myself, and, and my connections with others in regards to like my word. Mm-hmm. And so my word for this year is balance, um, which was supposed to be going to Vegas because that doesn't yeah. seem like an extreme balance at all. <laughs> um, you know, but I'm like, okay, so what else can I do? Can I call a friend for 10 minutes? Can I go for my 10 minute walk? You know, can I have a date night with my partner? You know, can I schedule, um, you know, a fun activity with my kid, you know, where I don't feel like it's just, you know, another thing or another appointment or another obligation, but something that might be unique or fun that we haven't tried before. Just finding different ways to kind of do that. And so, you know, and even thinking about seasonally, you know, and the shift of it's going to be winter time, our bodies naturally are going to shut down earlier because we don't have the light cues to do it. And also like evolutionarily wise, like this time was spent, you know, storing up our fat reserves so that we can go long hours in the summer. Mm. And so maybe the workouts that I do are, are a little bit more gentle or, you know, the social connections that I engage in are a little bit more long distance where I can still cuddle up in my sweatpants and yet still talk on the phone. Mm. And so not having the same kind of like rigid expectations that this is going to look the same all the time, which again, brings in that idea of flexibility of like, it's going to look different. You know, I'm probably not going to run and train for a marathon when it is 40 below out. It's probably not a smart idea, but when it's 40 degrees in like two months, yeah, well, we can talk about that. Right. I think that's a great segue into, into the next question we have. And, um, just to call out, there's like a lot of great, I was putting off seeing a doctor about chronic hives I was having for like eight months, LOL. <laughs> and I finally went and I, you know, it's so cool now because most major insurances and most health systems, you can go online and get a telemed visit. It's super easy. Like I don't have to get up and go and I can talk to them about things. Um, they can order my lab so I can just swing by and take care of it. So I was pleasantly surprised by technology for that. And now my hive thing is figured out. So um, <laughs> that's my word for for 2022 is hives. Hives. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. It's something. I'll think, I'll think about it. Um, but uh, in terms of mental health support, access and availability to therapy and counseling is I mean, it was a challenge before the pandemic. It seems like maybe it's even more of a barrier now nationwide, globally. Are there some resources that mamas, our mamas can can use to find available res- uh, therapists? Um, and what are some things that they can do while they're in that wait? Like, say they have to wait a month to, you know, to get in for, for their introductory appointment. Yeah. So um, there's a website called Psychology Today. Um, and you go in and you type in your zip code and it'll bring up every, most therapists that like, you know, are, um, registered into that area. Um, I think therapy den is another one where there are a whole bunch of therapists. Um, but it'll bring up a list of available therapists or just therapists in your area. The other thing is that your insurance will have a provider directory. And so you can let them know like, Hey, I want to know all of the providers, you know, in network with us and they'll provide you with a list. And then here's the tough part. And this is the tough part. Um, you might have to do, do some calling around. 
you know, and you might have to do some calling around to like five or six or 10 different places just to kind of see what it looks like out there and who's available and, you know, those kinds of things. And so that that's hard, especially when you're feeling anxious or you're feeling depressed or just feeling, you know, disconnected. The idea of making this monumental effort over and over and over again isn't necessarily a pleasant feeling. Um, asking your friends, um, you know, if, if they have any recommendations, asking your medical providers if they have recommendations, um, just, yeah, those are oftentimes the major kind of referral sources that we have. And like some of the things that you can kind of do, you know, if you're ever experiencing thoughts of like harming yourself or somebody else, you can always go to a walk-in or an emergency room. You can always go to an ER um, that is always available. Um, A lot of hospitals that, you know, um, specialize in psychiatry have like a needs assessment or just an initial assessment um, place where you can go in and get assessed and maybe get some referral sources or if there's, you know, a need to hospitalize or to to check into the hospital to take care of yourself, um, that will be available then. Um, There's always the National Suicide Hotline and you don't have to be suicidal to, you know, necessarily access it. And they're actually going through um, a shift where they're turning it into a three-digit number um, like... 911. Wow. Um, so instead of like the 17 digit, you know, 1 um, 800 number, um, they're working on changing it to 988. Wow. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. And so oftentimes that will also connect you with um, kind of a centralized. Um, help center in within your area, either by area code or something like that. And they'll have oftentimes, you know, the numbers of local clinicians that you can, you know, reach out to. So those are all like immediate, you know, like I have to talk to somebody kind of right now, right in this moment. But, you know, things that you can do in the meantime is, you know, um, focusing on things like sleeping Um, you know, making sure that you're eating and feeding yourself, which sometimes is really easy to push to the side, especially if we have, you know, a child who has, you know, um, medical needs that we feel really focused on, that it's really easy to push our meals to the side or to grab a cracker to there or a piece of cheese that makes us think that we're feeding our bodies when maybe we're not. Um, We want to focus on on moving our bodies, on some physical activity, on making social connections, just talking to somebody, you know, even if it's not a professional, but, you know, your partner, a friend, somebody that feels safe, or you can just be like, this sucks. Again, like, I want to be 13, and I want to throw my temper tantrum, and I just need that validated that that's the okay thing. You know, and so those are all things that you can kind of do in the meantime, while you might be on a, a little bit of a wait. Mm-hmm. And also, quick plug, um, a really important thing is to lobby um, your local, you know, uh, political officials to help um, support, you know, mental health um, services. Not all insurances are required, or some insurances, you know, um, 
have session limits on the amount of sessions that they will cover. Some right. will only cover, will cover behavioral health completely differently than they will physical health. Um, as a counselor, because I'm a professional counselor, I can't even bill Medicare. I'm not even eligible to, mm, Yeah, which is, I mean, personally, it's just, it's just ridiculous. That's a whole segment of the population that is missing out on potential caregivers. Yeah. And we lobby for that all the time. But, you know, if we have other people who are just like, hey, like, I can't see a counselor because, or I got to see a counselor four times because that's all that my insurance would cover. And, you know, but I needed the support to do X, Y, and Z. Like having it come not just from the professionals is really, really important and profound. Yeah. Yeah. It's such an important reminder. I think especially, and and that we're not, that's not even getting into like the social stigmas or the stigmas that surround certain cultural and social groups, you know, more so than, than us, you know, as, as, um, uh, you know, white women, we have a different level of access to than, than other groups of moms. And so it's, so it's really, um, that's a really important reminder. Yeah. And we know that, you know, um, people of, of color are disproportionately impacted, you know, economically, they have been also disproportionately impacted by the pandemic, um, yeah. mental health wise, you know, all these are the things. And so mm-hmm. lobbying and using kind of like our voices in ways, um, you know, that you are able to help you know, yourselves and just all those around you is really important. So Natalie, what you're saying throughout this episode is that we're not making this up. No. This is hard because it's hard, right? <laughs> yes, that is exactly what I am saying. This is hard because it's hard and it sucks. And yes. nobody was ever like, you know what seems like a really good idea? This thing right here. Yeah. For three years. For oh. three years. And like, oh, we've we've studied this within like the, the past uh, 60, 70, 80 years. Right. Like we've had, you know, experience with this. And, you know, there have been countries that have had, you know, like, you know, like SARS and Ebola, um, things kind of like that, that have kind of propped up as like um, epidemics, but... You know, not a whole lot has like risen to like this pandemic level and now like this really impactful epidemic or endemic. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? You guys have made it this far. Yeah. And so that's important to remember as well is that you've made it to the point of this, you know, starting this third year and no, it hasn't all been pretty, but my guess is that there are some moments that have stood out as really joyful or hope filled, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Martha, like you said earlier, like we gratitude is a protective factor. You know, we can be grateful for certain things. We still definitely need to acknowledge and experience the not great emotions, but this is an opportunity or this is a time where sometimes the gratitude provides that a little bit of a resiliency factor. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. I think I love that. We, um, so many times, you know, a lot of something that comes up a lot is, you know, when, when people approach us, you know, as NICU parents or anybody who's gone through a medical crisis, right? Think cancer or hospitalizations or being in the ICU for, for COVID-19 or something like that. And someone says, Mm -hmm. I don't know how you did it. Right. Um, well, it's kind of triggering sometimes to hear that because like, I don't, we don't know either. Like, (laughs) 
yeah. we got here. And I think it's um, it's important to acknowledge because uh, on the one hand, it's it makes it it's that kind of that realism that anybody can be in this situation and we are all in this situation but we are all still standing like you said too hopefully like that's like the most important message that i'm really trying to like that hopefully you know we get across is that like this is about balance this is about you know finding the good in the not so great but that's what life is you know mm-hmm. life is middle of the bell curve it's when we live life out on these extremes that it becomes so up and down Mm-hmm. And so if if our goals are, you know, I'm aiming for middle of the road, I'm aiming for this gray area, then living here isn't as uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think with social, uh, not to blame everything on social media, because we love it too, but you always see the highs and the lows. Mm-hmm. You don't often see the middles. And so when you're in the middle, you're kind of like, is this, this is kind of boring. Is that a bad thing? Should I be right. like doing a high thing or should I be experiencing a low thing? But boring is good too. That middle of the road mundane yes. is important too. So important. And um, I was, re- one of the things that I, uh, an exercise that I did um, with a couple different clients this past holiday season was we had them create um, different social media accounts that um, mm. were specifically for like, they were like, you know, I want to take a social media fast, but I still get a lot of support or hope or, you know, context with these certain things. And it's like, well, let's make a social media account where you just follow those things. And then Mm. when you log in, you don't necessarily have to see Mm. all of the birth announcements that happen over the holidays, you know, because when you're struggling with fertility, that's really difficult, but you can see, um, you know, the, you know, Resolve or the National Infertility Association has like posted this thing or that thing. And that is Mm -hmm. really helpful. And so making different social media accounts, like, again, just like you can make different emails, you can have different social media accounts. And so if social media feels too triggering, um, make a different social media account that has the things on it that, you know, you need on it. So like maybe you have a social media account that's just for your anxiety or a social media account that's just for your depression. And then you fill it and you can kind of cultivate Mm -hmm. that kind of thing for that social media account. I love that. I love that idea. Yeah. I'm going to have one that's just I immediately cats. like thought of you, Martha. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was going to say it'd be chickens and cats and cottages. Yeah, chicken yes. cat cottages. <laughs> the the three C's of, of Martha. Is that your name on Instagram? Chicken cat cottage? I wish. I want chickens so bad. It's being nixed really hard by the other adults that also no. I'm married to. <laughs> No, that should be yes. the name of your of your house. Should be Chicken Cat Cottage. A chicken Cat Cottage, yes, Martha. Oh, I should. oh gosh, this is. And then you can get a T-shirt cute. made. Oh, uh, oh, absolutely. This is side note, but I want to get. Nine I'm in full support of this. Yeah, Ashley is very supportive. I want to get nine chickens and name them after the Supreme Court justices. <laughs> and then anytime someone has to talk to them, they're like, "Would you like more feed, Your Honor? May I approach the yes. court, Your Honor?" <laughs> It's That's so excellent. <laughs> oh boy. That's awesome. But, but I'm going to be kind of disappointed if it doesn't happen. I know, so I think too. it needs to happen. I, just can't, I can't get over the idea of a chicken named Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor. That's like the entire name of the chicken, you know? Anyway. That is uh, excellent. Thank you for your support at this time. 
Uh, I digress. I digress. Sorry. Yes. How is Martha getting through the pandemic? Um, she's looking at chickens. Chickens. Chickens, chickens. chickens and cottages. <laughs> Well, Natalie, thank you as always for being on the podcast. Like Martha said earlier, your episodes are some of our most listened to episodes, and it's no secret why. You have such a compassionate voice, but also you're just brilliant, and you can tell that you've devoted your life to understanding maternal mental health, and for that, we're very, very grateful. So thank you as always for being here with us, and for the Nikki Mamas listening that are Um, either experiencing really big highs or lows or finding themselves in the middle, we just want to remind you that you are not making this up. This is hard because it's hard and there is nothing wrong with you. You are not broken, but you will and you can get through this. And this sisterhood believes in you. And so we hope that throughout um, the rest of this beginning of 2022 that you offer yourself immense amounts of love, immense amounts of grace, because this is hard. But the fact that you're still standing here really is, embodies your resilience. And so we love you, moms. We're so proud of you. And we are with you every step of the way. So thank you for listening. And we will be back here with you next week. Love you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. If you loved this episode, we'd be so grateful for a review on any of the podcast platforms. And we'd love to continue connecting with you via our social media pages or a private Facebook group. And ultimately, Nikki Mama, welcome to the sisterhood. 